You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Worry, Auburn fans. Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We're going to be talking about Auburn's final, I guess final, whatever, the last two games, but they may not be the last two games because it sounds like they're kind of shuffling things up potentially. Jared, how are you feeling about adding Tennessee and now South Carolina to our already pretty hefty uh, SEC uh, conference games? Uh, Well, War Eagle, first off, good to be here with you, AJ. And, um, you know, it could have been better, could have been worse. Um, I think that really the South Carolina one would scare me the most if, they were allowed to have fans and no ruling's been made on that yet. Um, but if they're not allowed to have fans going to South Carolina is not a huge deal. Tennessee at home, um, Tennessee's up and coming, Yeah. but you know, I think we talked off the record here. We, you know, from a right now standpoint, we should beat them and give us a, maybe a little bit of revenge yeah. from what happened two years ago. So uh, you know, all in all, I don't think it's terrible. Any any SEC team you add to our schedule is already going to make it difficult, but there was no way to avoid that. We were going to add two teams. Yeah, and, and I I was wishfully thinking that we'd be like Bama and get, you know, the, the easy-peasy Missouri at Missouri and Kentucky or something. But, you know, hey, I'll take South Carolina that was 4-8 and eight last year and Tennessee that was 8-5. and five. It's not too bad. I mean – let's put it in totality of this whole season so far um just wanted to kind of go through each of these so the away games that we're going to have Olmes, georgia mississippi state alabama south carolina so that's the five that we'll have away and then the home games are going to be kentucky texas a&m arkansas lsu and now tennessee so overall i mean not the hardest schedule by any means I mean, it's not like we're probably, I mean, I guess at the end we could potentially have the same thing that we had in 2017 where we face the top team in the nation, number one team in the nation uh, within uh, two games or three games, whatever it was, uh, Bama and Georgia back then. Um, So crazy, uh, crazy times just to add in a couple extra. Like, how do you feel now that it's official that we're going to have, at least on the schedule, 10 games versus, you know, their regular eight conference games. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's good. I don't know that we're going to notice it as a fan because I never, when we played every Saturday, I didn't go counting on my finger, you know, Hey, okay. So we played four SEC games. So I don't know that that'll change mentally as a fan. It's going to be a grind on the players. Um, because I mean, there's just something about conference games. I've never been gifted enough to really know why, but even the ones that you shouldn't struggle with, 
you can, and it's because of a conference game. And, I mean, you can go to Clemson struggling with Syracuse and NC State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Clemson should have no struggles with anybody in the ACC <laughs> right now. So you just never know what's going to happen. Um, the only team that's ever been, for the most part, somebody you could count on as a victory would be Vanderbilt. But there's been years where even they created the problem. Yeah. Um, at this point, there is no gimmies really other than maybe Vandy. And, you know, you talk about, I mean, the majority of our schedule was already in place. So ours is already pretty tough. It wasn't like we got thrown Georgia or anything like that. They're already on there. So to only add South Carolina and Tennessee, Kentucky was already on there. Really, the only better outcome would have been Vanderbilt and Missouri in my mind. Um, But Missouri's been known to have good years. Yeah. So I don't think it was terrible. It is funny how Vandy and Missouri were the two teams Alabama got. (laughs) But when you think about it, they already had Tennessee and Georgia. That's fair. You know, there wasn't, I'm not trying to defend Alabama, but like Tennessee and Georgia were already on their schedule. So I don't really know what else could have been worse unless they threw Florida at them as well. Yeah. I mean, it, that's that's probably the only team that I'm sure Alabama was like, we don't want Florida again. <laughs> like, we don't want to. And there's no way that was, yeah, there's no way that was going to happen. I mean, yeah. Saban would have, yeah, Saban <laughs> would have quit the SEC and they wouldn't allow that. So. <laughs> Yeah, that was not going to happen. Yeah. But when I when I first saw it, I know we got to move on. When I first saw it, I was like, well, of course Alabama gets Vandy and Missouri. And then I look at their schedule and I'm realizing, oh, they already had Georgia and they always have Tennessee. Yeah. So, um, you know, felt a little felt a little less uh, bad about that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and of those, I mean, OK, so we talked about pretty much Alabama getting pretty good draw for this. But obviously they have. Like you said, they've already got pretty hard uh, cross division uh, with Tennessee and Georgia this year. So I guess it kind of balances out for them. Um, LSU, I feel like, got a pretty light hand dealt to them with Missouri and at Vandy. So I think they're also on the upside of this. Um, and, <laughs> I mean, that's got to help them. Um, they're, what, f- number five in the coaches poll already? I mean... <laughs> They, they they may have just jumped up another position because of, of playing Missouri and Vandy this year. Yeah, because I don't know who LSU. Do they have to at least play Florida? Is that their cross? Um, is that is that their always cross to reference team? I don't. I call it cross conference. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But if they avoid Florida, Georgia, or Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee, I mean that is that's that's pretty nice uh, scheduling there. Yeah, at least this year they'll be playing Florida. It looks like. Okay, um, that may be their constant because I do feel like they play them a lot. Yeah. So I wonder if that's their constant across the division. Yeah. Um, and then another winner of this is Georgia, um, in my opinion, because they got Mississippi State at home and then at Arkansas. I mean, <laughs> if if that had been switched and said, you know, hey, you're at Mississippi State where you probably, if there are fans, you're going to have some clang clang going on uh, with those cowbells or you're going to have – maybe some upset if they somehow get Arkansas back uh, on their feet. I mean, <laughs> goodness, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but I don't know. Um, I still think George is a winner in this. I, I do too. Um, I do go back to the fact, and you know, I love bashing Georgia and Alabama. I do go back to the fact that Georgia's constant is always Auburn and then they have Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so across the state, so they're not scot-free getting off, but that was already planned. Yeah. So the plan to be, the unplanned part, they did get a really nice 
Really nice hand there, Mississippi State and Arkansas. Would have rather seen LSU and somebody or A&M and somebody mm-hmm. um, for them because that would have been a little more challenging. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought that would have been more challenging for them for sure. Um, and, okay, so let's talk about – so we talked about some of the winners for this. Let's talk about some of the losers too um, because I think the first There's one – There's only one, my man. <laughs> the first one that I <laughs> go saw – Go ahead, go ahead. It was Arkansas, and they were just complaining. Yeah. I mean, they even had a statement about this. Let, let me read the statement. So uh, let me back up just a second. Arkansas drew uh, UGA Brutal. and at Florida. Pretty tough. I get I get that. Um, now their opponents are going to be, at least right now, number three, Alabama, number four, Georgia, number five, LSU, number eight, Florida, number 11, Al- uh, number 11 Auburn, number 13, Texas A&M. So you got what is that? Six teams in the top thirteen that you're about to face in this season, and they're like, "Oh, this is unfair." And it, I, I'm glad. I'm so glad Allie Davidson tweeted this because I was thinking the same thing. That is what Auburn has to go through every single year. I mean, we may yeah. not have Florida every year, but we've got everybody else on that schedule, and they're usually in the top at least twenty. Top. Well, they. You shared with me, I think her tweet said that she she basically said, so Auburn 2019, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and you can't play yourself, so you basically swap Auburn out for Oregon, and that was our schedule. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, Oregon, A&M. Yep. Those were the teams we played last year. Yep, and I mean, that's essentially what Arkansas has. Now, obviously, Arkansas is down this year, and they're like, oh, give us a break. And you're like, but you're in the SEC. Like, own up to this. Um, you're You're in this – it's not going to supposed to be easy. Like where I, I consider still the best conference. So and when you think of the best conference, like you think of good competition, I don't think of the ACC where just Clemson runs over everybody. And then there's nobody close to being first besides Clemson. Everybody's just like, well, you make it's Clemson and then everybody else, everybody else. You make a good point. Cause people in the comment section, you know, they were saying, well, Auburn can handle that because they commented under hers and said, well, that's Auburn. I mean, Auburn can handle it, which is funny because during the season, those would be the same people bashing Auburn for being a terrible team. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're saying Auburn can handle it, and we could. I mean, the reality is we we went 9-3 and three last year. I don't know, 9-4 after the bowl game. Yeah. Um, and Arkansas is not going to do that. No. I mean, it's bad for them. You are correct. Just man up and play the schedule, but – for as bad as they are with a new coach coming in, yeah, it is not going to be pretty, man. Yeah, I mean, they were the statement itself pretty much said, "Hey, we now have the strongest schedule," and then now you add on these, and it's like ridiculously impossible, pretty much. And you're thinking, "Okay, so what? You're in the SEC, Um, make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, play your best." And my my opinion, I've been big on competition. The more better competition you you have, the better prepared you're going to be for years previous. And this is a rebuilding. This is an obvious rebuilding for Arkansas. If they continue to go with uh, their uh, new head coach, what is he, Sam Pittman, that pig suey guy that kind of <laughs> reminds me of a pig. Um, I mean, <laughs> he's that's going to be funny. I mean, he he's fits right man. in with the Arkansas mantra for yeah, sure. Yeah, he does. He'd fit in with LSU a little bit too, probably. They're going to be fired up for our game, I'll tell you that. I mean, those players are going to be, you know, fired up with Chad Morris leaving. And, well, he got fired. But, I mean, I think there's a lot of Arkansas fans that just really don't like him. And uh, so they're going to have their group fired up. So we better be ready for that game. But 
they shouldn't beat us. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's change topics just a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I think overall, uh, I think, well, actually, hold on. I just thought of something. All right, here's a question for you. Now that we have our 10-game schedule, Jared, how do you feel about this season like as a whole, and then what do you think our record should be for a, quote, good season? Because Hang a banner, man. We got this. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I would love that, obviously. Let's just hang the banner and say, yeah, we we got this. Um, but in you know normal seasons, we we consider like a nine and three or a ten and two, probably being a pretty good season. Um, so what do you what are you going to consider to be a good kind of benchmark for a good season this year? Now that we know who we're playing, yeah, it's kind of tough because we've become so accustomed to all right nine and ten. You're, when you're playing twelve games, that doesn't sound bad, and it's not. I mean, ten and two is a really good season. Um, you lose two games and now you start saying, well, seven, oh, that doesn't sound good. I would say seven should be the floor. I usually think nine should be the floor, uh, on, you know, a regular season. Seven's the floor. So essentially if we go draw below that, mm. that's real bad in my opinion. Um, I would say just one more game up from that. I would consider real good if you do eight. Yeah. I would say going eight and two would be a really good season in my opinion. Yeah. And, and- I mean, I think if you look at our schedule now, you kind of look at the games that are probably going to be toss-ups. You got Georgia, you got LSU, Bama, and probably Texas A&M. Just they seem to play us really tight. So if you kind of split those, you win two and you lose two of those, that's an eight and two season right there. I mean, I honestly think we should beat Ole Miss and pretty much beat all the other teams um, in a down on paper everybody's healthy let's go and do this um so i think going into this if everything goes smoothly which you know it's coronavirus so let's be honest it's probably not um <laughs> then and eight and two is gonna be great if we don't pull a uh, 11 a.m jefferson pilot tommy <sighs> tuberville here um i mean we should yeah there's six games we absolutely should win yeah uh, probably A&M, but I'm with you. I think that you could put that in the toss-up category. Then your Georgia, LSU, Alabama. But again, like you said, let's assume you throw A&M in there. That's four toss-ups. You got to split two of those. Yep. Um, you split two of those, you have eight wins. And if we get to nine, that's really good because that means we beat Georgia or Alabama. Uh, Heck yeah. At least one of them. Yeah. So a, a nine win is phenomenal in my opinion. Yep. I know some people... They don't ever want to lose, but we got to be rea- we got to be realistic here. <laughs> if we had my old co-host Ben King on here, he'd be like 10, 10 and 0. Let's do this. Let's go to the national championship. He's he's ready to <laughs> buckle up and book his flight to wherever the championship game is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got the talent. The the thing that I'm real worried about here and we talked about it off, you know, off the show is like somebody, some key player is going to miss a game. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just no way. Whether they're really sick or not is one thing, but just testing positive, I just don't see how we don't avoid that. So, um, you know, I probably would have set the floor at eight if I know everybody's healthy, but just not knowing that, I would say you still got to win seven. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's that kind of comes down to, um, I mean, some some people compare it to like, Oh, you you get in, you have an injured player in practice. He like twists his ankle and he can't play on a Saturday, and you kind of got to adjust your your strategy for that game. You got to almost do it on the fly, and that's that's what a coach's job is there for 
is to make those changes and to do it effectively and successfully. Um, if you're not making those changes and you're failing, I mean, that why are you getting paid millions of dollars? Um, so that'll be probably a big challenging point for a lot of these coaches is really um, making that change. Because as you know, Gus is a very kind of stick to the book a lot of times. Um, now he's kind of come off that a little bit, but he still likes to go back to let's run our scripted plays, you know, that kind of stuff and go to our game plan. Um, even if it's not really working and that's part of the frustration that happens, but this year will definitely stretch guys like Gus Melzon that, uh, and coaches that are just not as flexible with their play calling or how their strategy is for a game. And you got to think that's going to be a little bit better this year. Do you, I, I know that everything, all signs were pointing towards Chad Morris fully running this show. Do you think this has put the brakes on that, or do you think we kind of still go full force with that? Um, I think we still go full force. I mean, I I don't know what the benefit would be, Gus saying, uh, let's run this thing back in here, unless, unless Gus knows for sure his job is on the line right now which we discussed this last podcast last week that I don't think there's too many coaches out there that unless they're already on the hot seat, uh, I mean, obviously there are going to be coaches that get fired, but unless it's just an abysmal year, I don't think there's going to be too many coaches out there that get fired. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is kind of, I think you mentioned it last year, last podcast and i probably implied that i disagreed but i really do think it's almost a gimme a gimme year i mean let's be honest if gus wins three ball games all bets are off um that's a whole different story but i mean if he even if he wins six i mean i don't see him going anywhere um and i like gus i mean i don't want him to go anywhere but i just didn't know if all the uncertainty when there's a lot of uncertainty swelling around you you tend to go back to things you're certain yeah of and there's a lot going on. There's not been a lot of practices. I don't even know what's going on with practices. I hate to say that. <laughs> um, so I didn't know if he was going to be like, all right, let's go back to what we know, which is dive right <laughs> which, <laughs> on every play. I'm kidding. I mean, now you kind of bring that up. I mean, I guess he could. He could just be like, hey, guys, um, let's let's do similar things as what we did last year, but you know, maybe put a, a few tight end passes in there now that that's Chad Morris's strength apparently. I, I mean, you gotta, you gotta know the players just don't have that much time as, as much as I know right now, they're kind of digging into the playbooks and, but they're not out there and on the field running the plays with their team in pads, like doing it full speed. And that, that's the difference. Um, and I think that's, uh, it's going to hurt every team. Um, it's going to hurt the younger teams even more. If you've got a bunch of new guys, um, coming on and they don't know the playbook, you're in big trouble. And that's where I think Auburn, at least for the most part, has some structure there. Our wide receivers are going to be veterans. Bo Nix is going to be, I mean, a sophomore played his true freshman year. That's better in my books. If you make it through the gauntlet of SEC play last year and we come out with nine wins, you're a veteran. Um, especially with the couple downs that he had of like Florida um, where you just, you look at him and just like, Oh gosh, uh, this is the freshman moment that we were all thinking of. But I'm just thinking those kinds of things will kind of nurture this next year of players being able to uh, kind of make that transition, even to a new guy like Chad Morris, 
who is probably going to put some little wrinkles, as Gus likes to call it, into the offense. And these are going to be bigger wrinkles than what Gus did in previous years. Gus is so, it's so, it's almost frustrating because I'm going back and rehashing those games from last year. As bad as Bo was in the Florida game, we we had about four times we could have won that game. <laughs> True. As, as really inept as we were at LSU, we could have won that game. And then in Georgia, I've never seen an offense be so bad for three quarters. Oh my gosh, yes. And then all of a sudden, if they don't overturn a crazy play where Seth did not step out of bounds, we probably win that game. Yep. And it's just, it's amazing. It's like, you know, we're never out of a game. That's the one thing you can say with Gus. Yeah. There have been very few games where we're like, we're, I know we think it sometimes. <laughs> oh, here we go again. But we're never truly out of a game. Yeah. And until the very end. I mean, we've had some, at Clemson, we've, we've had some really bad games where we couldn't move the ball. But we were a Hail Mary at the end of that game from winning it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I don't get it, man. But it, you just reminded me when you talked about Bo struggling at Florida. And you're right. Bo is no longer, like, he's going to be sophomore. He's not a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a veteran. I think so, too. Um, I mean, that's what it says on his, you know, he goes to sophomore classes. But, yeah, from a quarterback standpoint, he's a veteran. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you got to coach's pedigree your son of a coach and you're ready to go like that's that just puts you at a different level i mean we've talked about it over and over this guy is is the real deal and that's why auburn was ranked so highly in the coaches poll i mean uh, you don't get number 11 with your whole offensive line essentially being gone unless you have a good quarterback and good yeah. supporting cast around him We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest. Every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. Who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn? Utilize our podcasts, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. Let's change topic just a little bit and talk about football this fall. I think, uh, just depending on whenever you listen to this, it was on Saturday when the MAC um, pretty much said, hey, we're done with football. The MAC conference was like, we're done. Get us out. We're not doing football for 2020, at least in the fall. Um, so that's their decision. And then on top of that, there were, you know, smaller schools like UConn pretty much saying, yeah, we're out too. Um, but so far, none of the power five have done anything like that. Um, and I mean, <laughs> let's, let's think about the UConn for a second. Teams like that, uh, do they really care? Like, have they been to the playoffs? Will they ever be in the playoffs? Maybe in, well, it'd be the NCAA tournament and basketball, but football, <laughs> no, it, I don't think it, so. 
it's a lot easier for them to make that call. I mean, I'm no offense to them. It's let's be honest. Uh, from the SEC athletic director standpoint, this is a monetary thing. Like, how do we budget this if we don't play? This is our money maker, and it's probably not UConn's money maker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of schools in the MAC that it's probably not their money maker. Now, having said that, they need that money. Um, but we're talking large sums in the Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC uh, that will not be there if we don't play at all. Um, so I think those are going to – they're going to push that as far back as possible before they make that call. Yeah, and – ACC, I, mean, I left them out. I mean, you got to think about with just the way – and this the NCAA and kind of how they're handling this, they're kind of letting each conference do their own thing. And I think that's brought about some questions of, hey, how do you like really regulate and kind of put people as well as you can into you know the bubble or whatever so that they're as safe as possible? And uh, there's not much guidance there. It seems like. I mean, does that does that seem like a fair assumption that they're not giving much guidance on that kind of stuff? The NCAA is giving zero guidance. I mean, their handling of this baffles me. And they're do. It's very obvious they're doing it to avoid any lawsuits. Um, it's probably smart from that standpoint on their end, but it's terrible from a leadership standpoint. And you know, if you give a player some bubble gum or a ride home, you know they're at your front door the next day if you're a coach. <laughs> but we have a pandemic going on, and we have everybody scrounging, and they're not giving any guidance, at least not publicly. And it makes it the public statements they're making are almost like we're letting y'all decide. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It It's kind of baffled me as the lack of response on this. Yeah. And you see, I consider the SEC doing a pretty good job of that. Now, obviously they have their faults, but for the most part, pretty positive responses from how players are reacting to this, at least in the SEC. And from that, most players are just ready to get back. that's what they want to do. Um, And I think the SEC, one of the good things that I thought that they did was pretty much say, if you need to opt out, like we had a couple of players opt out this last week, Uh, Chandler Wooten linebacker, and then Travion Leonard uh, backup DB, both opting out and both for health reasons. Uh, Chandler Wooten, uh, he's got a kid uh, that he's expecting in November. So totally get that. Just wants to be cautious, but it's it's like they they didn't really give too much guidance on how do you handle this, and I, I feel like they could have easily said, hey, every FBS F like you can go and say to your players, we guarantee your spot for next year, and that'd be okay. That your scholarship will be honored, and we don't want to pressure you into this. And I feel like that just would have kind of put a blanket statement over things that would have helped. Um, well. Yeah, and so what happens now is with nothing being done by them, then you have things like what the Pac-12, their players got together and listen, some of their demands should is exactly what you said the NCAA should have offered. Yeah. But some of their demands are, you know, they're not going to be able to be met. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. The Big Ten put together a big a better plan. Theirs was more about health and safety and stuff like that. They weren't asking for money. Yeah. Um. So I thought the Big Ten's plan was a little better. Having said that, good leadership would not have needed those schools to, and now you could put a plan together and they say, well, that's not enough, but there was nothing being done. So one side had to go first Yeah, and that was the players. Yeah. 
Um, and so now you have a little bit of a mess. And I also think, and I don't know how the NCAA works, but a lot these decisions being made are financial decisions. And the NCAA, maybe they are in closed doors, rooms, but they do they not have a fund somewhere where they could say? Because if a school's like, listen, I can't guarantee that kid's scholarship. We don't have the, you know, what if 50 other players do the same thing? We don't mm-hmm. have the money. Is the NCAA, do they not have some kind of fund somewhere where they can say, listen, we're going to take care of that, okay? We got a plan. You you tell all your kids that don't want to play, they're good. Yeah. And and we're going to help. The rainy day um, fund or whatever they call yeah. it, something like that. I mean, I mean, they're making tons of money. I yeah. mean, there's got to be something there. I don't know. I just feel like and maybe those discussions are behind closed doors, and if they are, I don't need to know about them, but I just doubt they are. Yeah, and I think that bleeds into other things that we've seen from the NCA, which has been things like, I mean, just the transfers. How just, I feel like there's no solid, I, they just seem very impartial, I guess. Um, I mean, a good one that you brought up was Justin Fields transferring from Georgia to Ohio State. I mean, he was just like, all right, cool. He's going to be a prominent player. All right, here you go. Um, and and I, I think they put a blindfold on and just throw a dart. I mean, it's just amazing to me. You brought up Joey Gatewood. I mean, Joey Gatewood's situation is not much different than anybody else that's been awarded um yeah i mean joey could have been hey gus didn't treat me fairly he didn't give me a fair shot you know whatever and the ncaa should uh, in other cases have been like all right here you go here's your 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 hall pass go to the next school and have fun and yet here we are and it's october or august 8th or august 9th now i guess and it's Joey Gatewood still hasn't been cleared to play for Kentucky now, even though he's already transferred there. He may have to wait out this year, and that would really stink for him because he transferred so early. There's plenty of time for the NCAA to go through whatever paperwork and yada yada that you got to do. Yeah, to me, there needs to be some credence to that. Like, if you, all right, listen, I don't necessarily agree you leave a team midseason, but. Like you're, if you go ahead and make that decision at that point, it's not like you're enjoying the benefits and perks of riding out the season and getting to do whatever the team does, and then you decide to leave. He said, "No, like I'm so passionate about this decision, I'm gone." Yeah, midseason, um, midseason, and and then the the backlash that comes from that and everything. I mean, why has that guy not been granted? And trust me, I don't want him to be from a standpoint of playing because we play them, and mm-hmm. I think he's a talented guy. Yeah, I, I just want fairness. And, you know, it, I, I I hate to say it, but if Gatewood would have gone to like an Ohio State, if they needed him, I think he would already be eligible. Yeah, you're probably right. And, and I mean, you got to I mean, I hate to say this, but like sometimes the NCAA, if they deem you as you know, the high profile kind of player like a Justin Fields that can make something of himself. And I think Joe, Joey can do the same. But for some reason, the NCAA doesn't see it that way. Um then they just like, eh, you're not important. Uh, we're not going to talk about your situation and kind of just sweep you under the rug until you start making a fuss, and then we'll look at you again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gatewood is, I mean, I'm not trying to put him on the level's field, but Gatewood has the talent to be on the level's field. So, I mean, Gatewood is, you know, very talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, there's no continuity, and they whether they are doing things wrong or benefiting certain groups, it sure appears that way because they're not very consistent with their rulings. Yeah. And that's, that's the hard part. Uh, if they were consistent, 
I'd be like, I'd, I'd pretty much give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. But since they're, <laughs> they, they haven't been, I've seen it over and over. Everybody has. I mean, not to mention another change that happened was in regards to uh, players wearing patches on their uniforms. And, and one of the things that um, Clint pointed out was Clint Richardson from the Auburn Uniform Database. He, he was just pretty much pointing out the, the NCAA really just doesn't do a great job of policing uniforms. Um, and that's part of your you know, image as the uniforms. And yet this kind of stuff where they can pretty much put on whatever they want and the NCAA probably won't do much about it unless it's just egregious. Um, and that that's, that's another example of just like, okay, sure. You're allowing this. It's probably a good PR thing for a little bit, but like in reality, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, and probably will get you, might even get you in bigger trouble. Um, <laughs> uh, because one team decides let's put on this, uh, little patch that stands for something that the NCAA really doesn't stand for. And you're like, I don't know. I could just see it going sideways real quick. Do all the players, do, does it have to be unified for the team or can each player have their, I don't even know that rule. I mean, I knew they could do it, but I didn't know. Uh, like, like can Bo, would, Bo Nix and Seth Williams have different patches or do they all have to agree on one? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there has to be some unified, but does it mean every player has to wear it? I don't know. I don't think there was much detail on that, or at least from huh. what I was reading. A lot of changes, my friend. A lot of changes. Yep. And then speaking of changes, uh, I think this will be, we're going to probably make this our last topic, but this is a fun one. Jared, this this boils my blood, and it probably boil your blood, is <laughs> rule changes. And the ones that resulted from the 2019 Iron Bowl. So, first one, okay, I'm okay with the first one, and this came out a while back, was about the field goals. You're not allowed to snap for a field goal unless there's three seconds on the clock, if it's right before half or right before the end of the game. Okay, whatever. I'll give you that one. That's okay. The next one just sounds like they're going to be able to get away with anything, which again is another, I think, NCAA type of issue where they're just kind of Oh, hey, Saban, you, you, you whined and you're, you're, you said it was unfair. So, hey, here, here, Saban, stay, stay with us. Don't go to the NFL. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he would, but this is kind of like one of those, I uh, just wanting to appease Saban. Um, what do you think of the rule change? And this is the more recent one about allowing 12 or more men on the field to anticipate whatever offensive formation. So defenses can pretty much put out as many players as they want. I think they're going to have, par- have a party on the defensive end. Like they're going to have the whole team out there and right until right before you say hut. And then they're going to scatter. And then you don't know what's going on. I think honestly, just to make it fair for Saban, let's just let him know what the offensive play call is every time. <laughs> All right, Saban. Hey, Mike, you know, Gus, Hey, Saban, this is what we're doing, bro. This, and- this is what we're going to run. What? And I think let's just go ahead. We're, we're slowly headed that direction. Let's just pull the bandaid off. Saban, we're going to tell you what we're running. I mean, it's not fair enough that Saban has, you know, every five star in the Southeast sign up to uh, drive charger. I mean, play for them. <laughs> so we are now going to, we not change not one, but two rules. And uh, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock you. I mean, I, I, the three second. Okay. Whatever. But still, it's crazy that you got three, you got two seconds, and you can't snap the ball. Oh yeah, uh, I could see one. I would say let's go to two. All right, you need two. But 
the other the I don't know how this works. It literally the way I'm reading it right here is that you can have 12 men on the field until right before they snap. When they snap the ball, you better only have 11. Yeah. And, and okay, so previously, and this was something I was trying to think through, was previously uh, there would be you know the ref that would stand right over the center, pretty much let the defense get set if say the offense switch, uh, substituted some guys, and now it's like okay, so this puts a pretty much i mean i hate to say it it's probably not going to be this way but you know an inevitable like oh they have 14 guys on the field and bo nix <laughs> is like how many dbs do they have they have nine dbs out there what the heck's going on saban is going to be out in the on the field pointing all right so he's got all right you cover that guy and you cover that guy I mean, we're just going to be coaching out on the field while the clock's running i'm shaking my um, head <laughs> it, it, it's just i this is going to be abused. So here's the deal. Anytime you make a rule, like you can't rule perfection. Yeah. Okay. There's always going to be things that are going to happen. What Gus did at the end of the Iron Bowl was not crazy. No. It was not mind blowing. And it's happened many a time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could have legit run a fake punt. I mean, like that's more trickery than what he did, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And we've been running fake punts since the beginning of time. So. Yeah. Uh, the point being about you can't rule yourself out of, you know, you're not going to have perfection. Somebody's going to abuse this. I mean, somebody's going to have a guy double teamed. You don't, all right, which one's going off, which one's, you know what I'm saying? And then somebody just steps off right before Hutt. Yep. And that screws up the offensive play. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean. They're going to audible. Yeah. And that that could just be for a regular play. I'm not just thinking like, you know, fourth and fourth down and something crazy. It It could be on second down and just have two guys right by the sideline and depending on what you think and how they all like there's just so much just I don't understand this one this one is the most absurd of them all to me so far I just I mean and for it to be something that wasn't that crazy like you said it was something teams have done before is line up a punter at a wide receiver kind of like do something interesting with that and yet Sam's like it's unfair we lost and you're like, no, you didn't lose. Like, honestly, if Auburn had punted it right there, Bama still would have had to drove down the field yeah. and scored a touchdown to beat yeah. Auburn. Like, I it's mean, not. Had, it <laughs> wasn't a get. We were ahead. Yes, we were ahead. They had now. Granted, we had not stopped them much, but uh, we rose up the drive before and forced a field goal, which mm-hmm. is essentially a punt for Bama. Um, I mean, they're not going to make that. So, yeah, you're right. This was not like, oh, this won us the game. It did allow us to run the clock out. But it's I just don't understand how this is not going to be abused, you know, more than what and Auburn didn't abuse a rule. No, Auburn I mean, had eleven it, players on the field. Yeah, we had eleven guys, and then we shifted into a punt, which threw them off. That's not illegal. So, I mean, I guess the question is: Let's say you line up in the past, and then one of your offensive linemen shifts out into a tight end spot, and the other guy comes up to the line to make sure you have the right amount. Like, why haven't we been pausing games forever? I mean, that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. Like, that's what shifts are for. <laughs> yep. yep, exactly. And, and teams just, tend to use, especially in high school and college, a lot of shifts just for eye candy. And, like, what? Like, that's it, it that's just, their thing a lot of times. I really just wish the NCAA would say, look, just quit calling us. <laughs> like, all right, we'll give you your three seconds, but we're not giving you the this 12-man thing. I mean – you know, I think he already got it slowed down enough because he said the hurry up, no huddle, you know, would 
it would be detrimental to players' health. <laughs> um, and so that's how we even got it, I think, a little slowed down with given time when the offense changed out, you got to change out. Yep. And so that's two changes he's had since 2013 um, when, you know, Nick Marshall made him rethink being a coach. Yep. Because he just destroyed him offensively. <laughs> so um, I don't know, man. It's just annoying, really. I know I'm bashing Saban and I'm being I'm holding back. Yeah, I know. No, I, <laughs> I feel like annoying. I'm holding back, too. Like, I just the the word I keep coming up with is whiny. Whiny baby Saban. Like he just wants to whine. I mean, you you got the plenty of gifts. Just search a gif or just like a picture. Angry Saban. That that is just his persona when it comes to. I call I'm not gifs, getting my way. But, I'm not getting my way. I call him gifs, but that's another podcast. We'll talk about that <laughs> on another one. Gif or gif. You're you're right. I mean, he literally after and thank goodness the sports media actually did not bow down. He said it was an unfair play. At the end of the game. He, those were his words. Mm-hmm. It was not, hey, we did a bad job coaching. He said it was an unfair play. And the sports media, I will give them credit. Uh, many articles were written saying that was absolutely not unfair. You screwed up. Yep. It was by the <laughs> and, rules. You look at the rules. It was done to the letter of the law. Literally, AJ, if another team had done that to Auburn, unfair would not have even come in my mind. I mean, I would oh, be no. upset. And I would have been saying, how do y'all have 12 men on the field or great job, whatever team did that? Unfair would not have even entered my brain. Exactly. Um, And, and, I mean, we haven't even mentioned this. You know, nailing a 50-yarder for a field goal with one second. That's another. That's another. So so they say, giving them the one second. Number one, this was a halftime. The game was not over. They gave them one second at halftime. The dude had to nail a 50-yarder. Yep. And they can't make a 20-yarder. Nope. And they act like it's a gimme. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, yeah. It, it, yeah. You got me going. Yeah. I could go on forever. I know we got to get off, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is always yeah. fun. I mean, you and I love, I mean, we're just diehard Auburn fans. And I feel like one of our part-time hobbies is bashing Saban and Bama and just having fun with it. And, well, and there's some really good Alabama fans out there that really are. But I mean, anybody has to look at this and say like, that's, I mean, that's a little, I mean, if, if, if Malzahn blamed losing the Iron Bowl on those two things. You know, in my irrational moment of the game, I'd probably say, go get him, Gus. Right. But when I calm back down, I'd say, eh, we probably should have coached better. Yeah. Or not miss field goals. Yeah. Or not thrown pick sixes when we're going in for touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Maybe it's... block maybe block Big Cat better so he didn't have to throw it. You know, that's another thing. They say, oh, well, they lost the game because of that. I'm like, well, it, he was, it, our dude was right in his face. Like, we caused that pick six. Absolutely. I mean, he threw it prematurely, and then we got a pick six. He was about to get destroyed. Yeah, (laughs) and we created that. It wasn't like he handed it to us, and but I mean, they got no excuses painted in their locker room. So um, (laughs) that is still so hilarious. And there's been obviously uh, photoshopped of the no being photoshopped (laughs) out, and I'm like, that's pretty accurate right now, especially right after the game. That was perfect. Sometimes the internet is a good thing. Absolutely. Sometimes it's a bad thing, but that's <laughs> funny when they people take that and Photoshop. Yeah, for sure. Jerry, before we get out of here, do you want to give uh, people uh, how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, I'm just I'm on Facebook and Instagram, just under my name, uh, Jared Davis. And you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle.
Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?